Amen. Thank you, Dwayne. I can think of nobody better to ask for money than you. Amen. <laughs> you do a good job, my friend. I love Dwayne Stroud. I really do. We've got a great relationship over the years, and I appreciate him. <clears throat> well, I'm back. Amen. <laughs> Y'all just thought I was retired. Well, I am pastor emeritus. That means pastor forever, but also means pastor when needed, all right? And so uh, I'm honored today. I really am. I'm very honored and privileged to really fill in for our pastor, Andy John King. He has been a sick puppy. He really has. And I hope you've been praying for our pastor. He had kidney stone. He's trying to pass that kidney stone. And so he's had a terrible time. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm glad it's him, not me. Amen? I really am. But, uh, you know, there's a little Johnny joke in there. There's just got to be a little Johnny joke right in there. So little Johnny came up to Andy John. He said, Pastor, I've been missing you. You've been out. He said, yeah, I've been out. But I had this kidney stone. Been trying to pass this kidney stone. Little Johnny said, well, what's that? He said, well, little Johnny, it's this stone that's lodged in my kidney, and it's giving me a lot of problems, and it hurts, and I got to pass this thing. And he said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, little Johnny, it's kind of like a woman. You know, these women, they have a baby, and when they have that baby, it really hurts, but it's good when it passes. He said, so I'm kind of like a mother trying to have a baby, you know, trying to pass this stone. He said, well, Pastor Johnny, let me ask you a question. Is it a boy or a girl? <laughs> Well, anyway, I hope he passes that soon, and I know we're praying for that. You know, I know a pastor's heart, and I know our pastor's heart. He would rather be nowhere else on Sunday morning than right here in this pulpit. I know that for a fact, and I know you're praying for him and Brittany and Davis and Noel. Continue to pray for their family that God would heal him. Amen? He needs healing. So I got your attention now, so open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to preach this message. God laid this message on my heart. I preached it years ago here, and most of you have already forgotten it anyway, but uh, I really, I redid it a little bit, but I'm uh, using the same text. But uh, it really, God really laid it on my heart, and I really want to share this message with you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. I got a lot of scripture uh, to read, so I want you to follow with me in your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever it is. I know most of you got them on anyway, so just follow your pastor and your text, your Bible app, and then your Bible. I hope you brought your Bible with you today. And I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 17 and following. So follow along with me. This is Apostle Paul addressing the church at Corinth, and he says this in verse 18, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but, I love this, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen and amen. I will the Bible says, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding or the intelligence of the, of the intellect, of the prudent, if you will. Why, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer or the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Very important you understand that. That the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message of the cross preached to those who believe. 
For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now look down in verse 26. Look what he says. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things are the lowly things of the world and the things which are despised. That's what God's chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Isn't this interesting? That no flesh... Watch this, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Father, would you speak to our hearts in this message, Lord, that we can relate to today? I thank you for the Apostle Paul, for his boldness to stand on the truth of your word. And Father, as we preach today, I pray that you would remind us, Lord, that it's all about Jesus. It's in a relationship, not religion. It's through understanding you and your word through your Holy Spirit and not the things of the world. So speak to our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you this question. What is Paul saying? What is the Apostle Paul trying to teach the church at Corinth? And what is the Apostle Paul trying to teach us in the 21st century right here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church this morning? What is Paul trying to say? With a little background on this text, the Greeks of Corinth, they put major emphasis and value in philosophical ideologies, in knowledge, and in intellect, and human wisdom. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember, in Acts chapter 17, Paul was on Mars Hill. And he had an encounter there with the Stoics and Epicureans. These were philosophers. Remember that? And Paul debated these great philosophers. They were very intellectual and Paul had a debate right there on Mars Hill because they viewed Christ, the unknown God, they viewed him, and the Greeks there viewed Christ's crucifixion. They'd heard about that. They viewed that as foolishness. A man being crucified on the cross, being the Messiah, that is utter foolishness. So how does this scripture, as we read this text today, how does this scripture relate to us? And that's the purpose of preaching is to help bring out a text that's applicable to us today in the 21st century because we need to read the Bible and put application to our own lives. So how in the world would this text be applicable and relational to you and I today? Well, I wrote a statement. I want to read it to you. Listen to this. The world hasn't changed much. We're witnessing the same type philosophies and ideologies today. Many today think Christians are ignorant and foolish and we've seen this philosophy recently in this uh, overturning of Roe. Uh, of Roe. We've seen how we're looked at as foolishness and all this kind of thing. Now watch this. But the main principle, what the Apostle Paul is trying to address to the Corinthian church and to us today, very relevant to us today, is the issue of humanism, intellectual entitlement, and foolishness of God's Word. Now, the issue for us today is this. We have adopted, us as Christians, we've adopted a biblical worldview derived from God's Word. And we're living in a world now of humanistic ideologies 
that have adopted an intellectual, philosophical worldview. It's derived from their ideologies. And we're taught most, these things are taught mostly today in these liberal universities by radical, humanistic, and philosophical professors. And that's why we're seeing a millennial generation that's kind of on TV as we view these things. We're seeing this because they've been raised on this. They've been raised by liberal professors, most of them, not all, but a lot of them in these major universities by liberal humanistic professors. Now, in a world governed by philosophical ideologies, Christians are viewed as ignorant, backward, uneducated, and foolish. Now, why, why, why is this? Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is the answer. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man, that's the lost man. That's the unbeliever, right? Paul says, the unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you understand that? That's why lost people act lost. Because they haven't been touched by the Holy Spirit of God and brought into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're living for the world. They're out there in the world. They're part of that world. In the humanistic ideologies of the world, that's what they're geared to. But we, as Paul said, we've been saved, we've been changed, and now we've adopted a biblical worldview. We know what God says, we know what the Bible says, and we derive that in our lives and we live by that standard. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, now, uh, so we see that the food is foolish to them. That's why today a great number of our major corporations are led by these type of individuals who are extremely educated and intelligent but have rejected a biblical worldview for the more inclusive humanistic ideology. And these major corporations we're seeing today are led by these humanists. They really are. And so we, we see that and we try to understand what's going on in our world today and we're looking at it from the lens of a biblical worldview. Now, let me give you a word of caution here. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Now, there's nothing wrong, and I would absolutely uh, promote a college education. There's nothing wrong with getting a good college education or being a professional leader of a corporation. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But we got to be careful how we use that because Edu education and intellect is like other things we're seeing today, like a TV or a computer. They're very useful and they're good, but a lot of times they're abused, right? They're also being very abused. So nothing wrong with education. I'm very proud of my degree. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I'm proud of my biblical uh, religious degree. Matter of fact, a lot of you don't know this, but I also have a Ph.D. My dad helped me get it, post-hole digger. <laughs> and that's no lie, by the way. I got a Ph.D. in post-hole digging. And so, but I'm proud of my education, but I'm using it for the Lord. I'm using the intellect, the knowledge, the wisdom that God has bestowed within me. I want to use that for his glory and for, his good of man, for the good of man. I want to use that for him, and sometimes we abuse that. 
Remember, Paul, who's writing this, who just wrote that text I read to you, he is very highly educated. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And you had to be sharp to be a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Jewish leader. And so the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul said, you got a degree, I got even better. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. I studied at the professor Gamaliel. Studied under his feet. So I've been raised a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. I know all about the Old Testament. I know all about those religion. And so the question is this. What happened to Paul? That's his background. That's the way he was taught. So what happened to him? You know what happened to him? He became a fool for Christ. He became a fool for Christ when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He met the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look in verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 4. And look in verse 9. Now Paul's using a little sarcasm here with the with these, some of these leaders, he says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a debacle, a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Don't miss verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. We are fools for Christ's sake. That's interesting. You see, when you totally fall in love with Jesus, you'll do things you never thought you would do. You'll say things that you never thought you would say when you really, really fall in love with Jesus. I used to have a t-shirt years ago. I had a t-shirt that said this, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? I wore it out. I mean, I literally wore that T-shirt out. I wore it everywhere. That's after I got saved. I, I began to wear that T-shirt. I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? And then in 1992, uh, Jeff and Dina Bowman and Patsy and I, we went down to New Orleans to the Super Bowl, I mean Sugar Bowl, where Alabama Crimson Tide was playing the Miami Hurricanes. 1992, championship game. I'm telling you, millions are watching. And so Alabama's a great underdog. Well, we were walking down Bourbon Street. And so I'm walking down Bourbon Street. I got this sweatshirt on. It says this. Alabama is my team. Jesus is my king. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I had it on. I was walking proud down Bourbon Street. I'll never forget these two Miami guys came by me and said, oh, my goodness, we got to beat Alabama and Jesus too. <laughs> Under God, they said that. They really did. You know what? We won. Amen. We won. We upset them. It pays to be saved. <laughs> we really did. We, we beat them bad, man. But I'm walking down Bourbon Street with that shirt on, and I'm just thinking, I'm a fool for Christ. I'm just a fool for Christ. It's what Paul was. He was a fool for Christ. See, I don't wear that shirt much anymore since I've been dignified and educated. <laughs> I got a Greek word for that. It's called hogwash. I still love Jesus. I'm still a fool for Christ. 
I'll never forget, we was on Wednesday night visitation. And I'd take, we'd do deacons, would go out with us on visitation. Anybody, we had a church-wide visitation on Wednesday night. We were out, Phil and I, Deacon Phil and I were out visiting this guy. He lived in a trailer, visited our church. And so we went out on Wednesday night visitation. It began to rain and drizzle. And so we said, all right, we got to go up to his door. So he lived in a trailer. We got out of our car. And the moment we got out of our car, it, I'm telling you, the bottom fell out. It just fell out. We didn't have an umbrella. And so we go up to the door, and he's got a stoop there, but has no awning over it. And I'm telling you, it is pouring cats and dogs. It is just, and he's taking his time getting to the door. And so we're sitting there like this, and we're just getting covered with rain. And he comes to the door. And I said, well, I'm Pastor Dusty at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. We just want to come out and beat tonight. He said, anybody that would be out on this night, you come on in. <laughs> So I went in, and we were sitting there, got us a towel, and we were sitting there drying off, and I was just thinking, I'm a fool for Christ. I'm a fool for Christ. By the way, whose fool are you? I'm a fool for Christ. And see, when you love Jesus, you'll do things like that. You just will because you're in love with Jesus, and you don't really care what the world's saying because you know what he says, and we worship an audience of one, Right? And don't forget this passage of the scripture. Mark 12, 37 says this, and the common people heard him gladly. Did you hear what I just said? It's what the Bible says. The common people heard Jesus gladly. Look it up. All right, that's the introduction. I'm serious. That's the introduction. <laughs> Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And longtime members said, he ain't kidding. <laughs> All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, really, I want to give you these three things I believe we can adopt from this text that Paul wants us to know how to be a fool for Christ. Now, in our text, and this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, so follow with me. Verses 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, I want to talk about a determined purpose. Paul had a determined purpose purpose. Look in verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech and my intellectual background and knowledge and my speech declaring to you the testimony of God. Watch verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul was all about. He was all about Jesus. I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. I didn't come to you in popularity. I came to you for one reason and one reason only, and that's to preach Jesus Christ crucified. He was highly educated, a Pharisee, and yet when he met Jesus Christ, he got a brand new life. He got a new philosophy. He got a new religion, if you will. But he got a relationship, an intimate relationship, because he lost his religion on the road to Damascus. But he got a new purpose for living. He got a new purpose. And see, Paul was determined to preach Jesus Christ crucified. Not programs, but God's purpose. Not philosophy, but God's proclamation. And not man's plan, but God's power. That's what Paul was all about. And Paul wrote to young Timothy. I want you to listen to this. Young Timothy was a mentoree of Paul, and he's a preacher boy. And Paul wrote, him, wrote a, a letter to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Four, verse 2 through 4. Listen to what Paul said to him. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, Timothy, 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned again aside to fables, or you could say ideologies. There's going to come a time, Timothy, when they're going to turn from the truth. They're going to turn to their own teachings, their own learning, their own truth, and their own ideologies. The commentary on this I read said this, in periods of unsettled faith, skepticism and mere curious speculation in matters of religion and philosophy, teachers of all kinds will swarm like the flies of Egypt. The demand creates the supply. The hearers invite and shape their own preachers. If the people desire a calf to worship, a ministerial calf maker is ready available. Wow. And see, that's one of the reasons that we're in the mess we're in today, I believe, spiritually, is because I believe the church as a whole and spiritual leaders have stepped back and allowed Pharaoh's crowd to feed us, the church, a heavy dose of fatty calf. And we've got to get to God's word. We've got to stick to the truth. It's what I love about our pastor. He preaches the word of God. Amen? He preaches the word of God. I love hearing Andy John preach because he preaches the truth. See, Paul had adopted a determined purpose based on God's word. And like Paul, a biblical worldview over ideology, that's the purpose of this church, to teach the Word of God, a biblical worldview. That's the purpose of Lindsay Lane Christian Academy, is to teach a biblical worldview to our students. We're trying to raise up a generation on the Word of God, and I know that you're praying for that. Let me give you number two. Not only are we looking at Paul having a determined purpose, number two, he had a demonstrated power. It's Paul not doing this on his own. He just said that. He's got a demonstrated power. Now look in verse 3 and 5 of chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3 through 5. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Wow. Paul said, I was scared. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Listen to verse 5. That your faith should not be should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, you won't believe this, but I've been preaching almost every Sunday in June and July and some in August now, but every time I preach here, I get very nervous. I just do. I don't know why it is, but I, I guess I'm trying to remember Scout's name was the first thing that got me real nervous. Boy, you better not mess this up. They'll disown me. But anyway, I do. I get a little more nervous here than anywhere else. And but you see, sometimes we think about the sermon and writing the message out and who's going to respond to it and all of that. See, we're not to worry about that, Pastor. God will take care of that. You just get up there and preach in the demonstration of God's power and let God do the rest. And he does the rest. He does it all. And Paul knew that. And Paul, in his education, but the education, education doesn't impress Satan he steals after Paul. I'll never forget what my, my Bible professors, when I was in Bible college, I'll never forget what Dr. Lee Hudson told us. 
He said, you know what, guys? He said, a doctorate and a Ph.D. is like a pig's tail. He said, it's really curly and cute, but it does nothing for the ham. <laughs> that was a good word, wasn't it? It does nothing for the ham. All that education, all those things, we need that. We need to learn. We need to show ourselves approved. But at the end of the day, anything done for God's got to be done in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If not, it's going to be in vain. No matter how many programs you have, how, many, how big a church you have, how slick a pastor you have, if it's not in the demonstration of the power of God, nothing's going to happen. I just preached in two of the biggest churches that I remember years ago. I mean big churches, seven, 800 people. One of them had about 175, other had about 200. And I'm telling you, if we rely on our own strength, Paul said in our own weaknesses and all our own strength, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And so we got to have the power of God. You know, I claimed this verse of Scripture. Uh, I really did. Because when I first came to Lindsay Lane in 1992, I had an eye problem. First one was intimidation. I'll never forget, Don, I was preaching one day, and Fred Lackley, for some reason, was in, in here, and I just kind of, I mean, I just was scared to death. Because Brother Fred, Fred, Dr. Fred Lackey was here. I was scared to death. I was intimidated. And then I was inadequate with my lack of training, lack of seminary. I was inadequate, I felt like. And then I was insecure in the confidence of my own abilities. And then God led me to 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, Dusty, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you the spirit of love and the power of a sound mind. God said, you just get up there and preach and I'll do the rest. And I'm telling you, you're seeing the rest of the story. Amen? You're seeing what God can do, what God has done in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul didn't rely on his own abilities, his own adequacies, his own education. He relied on the Holy Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit power. The word is, Greek word is dumanos. It means dynamite. And buddy, when you got the Holy Spirit of God in you, you're dynamite. You really are. Charles Spurgeon said this. I love this quote. I wrote it down. Listen to this. The power that is in the gospel does not lie in the eloquence of the preacher. Otherwise, men would be converters of souls, not, nor does it lie in the preacher's learning. Otherwise, it would consist in the wisdom of men. We might preach until our tongues rotted, till we would exhaust our lungs and die, but never a soul would be converted unless the Holy Spirit be with the Word of God to give it power and to convert the soul. And that's why Lindsay Lane has grown the way it has and the church that it is is because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me give you number three. Number three. See, Paul had a demonstration of God's power, but Paul preached a divine proclamation. A divine proclamation. Look with me in, the, in our text. Look in verse six and following. However, Paul said, we speak wisdom among those who are mature Yet, not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The gospel, the hidden 
wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, for our glory, which, watch this, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would have never crucified Jesus. But it is written, listen to this, he's quoting now, he's quoting Isaiah. Listen to this, Isaiah 64, 4. For ear has not seen, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Jesus. Amen? You can't even imagine what God's got in store for you. I never would have seen this. When I came here in 1992, we had 32 people, a little old building over there, no education, went to Bible college while I was working at Steel Case and pastoring this church. I could not see this. What God has done here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church in 28 years, I never in my wildest dreams imagined it. But I'm telling you, when you fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, you get on the power of the Holy Spirit of God, he'll do great and mighty things in your life. And I, by the way, he's not a respecter of persons either. He'll do the same thing for you, ma'am and sir. He'll do the same for any church. If they'll just get on the power of the Holy Spirit and believe that God can do it. And let that power demonstrate and preach a divine proclamation of God's word, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul had made known his divine mysteries and that mysteries of the gospel was hidden from a lot of folks. But God, Paul proclaimed that gospel message to everyone and uh, not by wisdom, but by God's power. The apostle Paul experienced this mystery on the road to Damascus. When he met Jesus, he was persecuting the church. Can you believe this? This man was persecuting Christians. He was on his way then to Damascus to persecute Christians there, having them stoned and everything else. And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything changed. He got a new heart. He lost his religion, and he got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us just need to lose our religion. I'm telling you, we do. We need to have to find an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and let him rule and reign in our heart and believe him and trust him and just try to imagine what he can do with you. Because I'm telling you, he can do great and mighty things in your life and my life. And see, Paul was debating the rulers of the age there in Mars Hill and still today. And we're seeing this very same thing today, all these debates going on. And many are like Paul who are persecuting Christians today out of ignorance of God's divine word. They don't have a clue what this Bible says. They don't even want to know what it says. And so they ridicule and persecute Christians because of that. And I'm telling you, we just need to be fools for Christ. Much like Paul, we need to be fools for Christ. Paul taught biblical truths. And he said that it'll move you. When you, get, when you, have a, when you study this book in divine proclamation, of God's divine nature that was in you, God will open up things to you. It's a pitiful excuse to say, I can't understand it. We got too many translations now. You got it on your iPad, your iPhone. It's, you can listen to it on tape or CD, on the computer. There's no reason for us not to get in the Word of God and understand the divine proclamation of God's Word. And we need to do that, church. We need to have devotions and things and prepare our hearts because we're going to another world. We're going to heaven. We're leaving this world. And so it's not about the man and man's wisdom. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to close with this. Can you believe I'm closing already? 
I have really grown in the Lord, Dwayne. Amen. I'm trying to follow our pastor's lead. I really am. Therefore, therefore, that means everything I've said, this is what it's here for. Watch this. Therefore, we must humble ourselves. You see, God respects humility. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not many noble are called, not many wise are called because they have too much pride. They got pride in themselves, in their education, their intellect, in their philosophies and ideologies. There's nothing wrong with education. I'm telling you, when it's in the proper place, you've got to let God in that equation. And that's what's happening, I believe. We're, we're kind of we're squeezing God out of all of this stuff and doing it in our own strength, our own technology. I mean, we can do a lot of stuff. But I think sometimes God's up there just saying, that's so foolish. All you got to do is ask me. <laughs> I will bypass a lot of stuff. If you just ask me, believe in me, and let me have it. Oh, I'm praying for that in our land today. I'm praying for godly leadership, that we'd get back under the anointing of God's word. Praying for that. We've got to humble ourselves and become fools for Christ. One other passage I want you to look at. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're right there together, right? right? 1 Corinthians 3, look in verse 18. I'll close with this. Verse 18. Paul said, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he might become wise. Verse 10. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Did you hear that? I want to read that again, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he might become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Amen? His name was David. I'll never forget this. He came to our church. He worked on the arsenal for NASA. He was a rocket scientist, literally. Literally. A real, true rocket scientist. So intellectual, I couldn't even hardly talk to him. Brother Eric and I built a relationship with this man, and we began to witness to him. He had a desire to hear the Word of God. He came faithfully and listened to me preach. But here's what he said. I don't understand this faith stuff. I just can't see it. I just can't see that. I, I don't see what you have. I don't understand how you got in that closet and the Holy Spirit came in you and changed you over. I, I just can't understand it. I can't grasp it in my mind. And we tried to teach him and just say, well, it's by faith, you know, you just got to believe. He said, just believe? I can't do that. And so he didn't. And we talked to him and prayed for him. And then one day I wrote him a, sent him a card. I had this in my, had this little card of salvation. This is a little plan of salvation, like an ABC type thing. And I wrote on the back of that card, I never forget, I said, David, we're praying for you. It's not that hard to understand when you really do it by faith and ask God to come into your heart. 
And it wasn't long after that that David came. And he said, you know what? Now I understand. Now I understand. It's by faith. I can't figure it out. And I said, David, I can't figure God out. Nobody can. You come to God by faith in Jesus Christ. You give him your heart and your life. You believe in him, trust him, and believe what this book says. And God's spirit will lead God and direct you. And see, some so many times we're trying to have our own philosophy and we're trying to figure things out and we're listening to the world and all the ideologies out there, all those kind of stuff going on out there. When it's simple, it's a simple. Being saved, as I preached not long ago, is so simple to be saved. It really is. Now, the hard part's living it, yes, because we're in a world of sin. But to be saved is very simple. You just believe in Christ, that he died on the cross for for your sin, and you come and put your faith in him and invite the Holy Spirit of God to come in, and you'll experience a transformation. I told one church, I'm a Christian trans. (laughs) I've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, by the grace of Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm a fool. Whose fool are you? Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to our heart. Do what no man can do, no wisdom, no intellect, no technology, nothing. Absolutely nothing can save a soul, convert a heart. Only Jesus can do that by the transformational power of the Holy Spirit of God. Speak, O Lord. I pray right now you would draw men and women, even boys and girls, but men and women to Jesus. Speak to their heart. Convict by the Spirit of God. Let them know you're dealing with their heart. And I pray they may come today to have courage and faith to come and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That they may know They may know that they're saved. Not hope so, maybe so. They may know so. God, would you draw them? Would you draw them? I can't draw them. I preach. But only the Holy Spirit can convict and draw. I pray you would do that right now. Father, I pray that people would come to this altar today and say, I want to be saved. Some may want to come and say, I want to join this church. This is the church God's led me and my family to or led me to. Some may want to come and recommit their life. Just say, you know what? I haven't been a fool for Christ. I've gone the way of the world, but I know I'm a Christian. I want to come back and just want to pray today and recommit my life to Christ. There's a lot of things you can come to this altar for. You say, I don't want to come to the altar. Well, just invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Let somebody know it and be saved. Father, as we sing now, Lord, I pray you do a great work in this service. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us all over this room? Would you stand? Wayne's going to come and lead us. I'll be here. We'll have others here to greet you. We have people ready to help you. We're not going to embarrass you at all, but we love you. <laughs> we came the same way. We love you. We ask you to come. Will you do that as we sing? You come. When-